Hello, and welcome to the Nate's Stories Podcast, Episode 7. Yeah, man. Oh, we're about to have a good time, man. We're going to record a podcast. So let's jump right in. Hope you're having a great week. Got some good weekend plans. I'm having a pretty good week, and I, I don't have any weekend plans yet, but I will. Oh, yeah. Anyways, first things first, a little bit of advertising for myself. I just released the Directionless Favorites Collection book on Amazon as a paperback, a book you can actually purchase. So, yeah, you longtime Directionless fans, you're out there. You, you, I know you are. And now you can buy the Favorites Collection on Amazon for 12 bucks. You can get a little book. It's great for bathrooms. It's great for bathrooms. Growing up, that's where I would generally read like Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield in the bathroom. And right before going to bed, that's how I... I always liked comic strips because they were just little windows. They were very short stories. Yeah, there's like a little quick thing that you could read and just get a little, little ha in the, in the bathroom. or But right before bed, maybe sometimes when eating a quick meal, you just pop open the book. Yeah. So that's what the Directionless Favorites collection is. You can buy it. 12 bucks. I'll put the link down below. The book is... Uh, for those that don't know, I wrote a comic strip named Directionless. There's a helicopter. A helicopter. I hope that's not too loud. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Directionless is a comic that I wrote from 2010 to 2015. And this book is a collection of my favorite comics from that period. I think it's something like 100 comics and... Total, there's 600 comics. So it's a... I also tell the story, but it's also a condensed version of the overall plot that Directionless has to offer. It follows Jeff as he looks for his direction. He's feeling directionless, and he goes out and he tries to solve his problems of not knowing what he's doing. It, it tackles some of the deep stuff, and it, 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 it also does not. It, it's pretty, pretty silly. In my opinion, the... The, it started off kind of strange, and then really in that third year is when it started to get good, in my opinion, where I, like, started... Most of the book happens in the last two years of the comic, where it's like, yeah, well, most of my favorite comics. For the book, I actually went back and rewrote some of the jokes, adjusted some of the artwork, so it's, like, a super nice version of the, the comic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also animated versions on my YouTube channel, I think. From 2000, in 2011, I didn't really write the comic for that long. I took, I think, an eight-month break. But I animated a couple of cartoons for the comic in that time period. So, yeah, they're on my Active Object X YouTube. You guys can go check them out, man. So... Let's talk a little bit, I guess, about directionless. Since something that I did, I did, I wrote it for five years. It was like a big project that was in the back of my head. And I don't know if anybody listening has had projects like that, where it's just something you do in your free time, but you just you make a schedule where, you're like, I have to do this. I have to release or work on something new. Like, if say you're a musician, and you're like, I have to write one song a week 
no matter what. So you always have this deadline in the back of your head. And that's, I guess, how directionless was to me, where I was just like, three times a week, always write the comic, no matter what. So there are numerous comics where I just didn't have any ideas or anything, and so I would just jot these uh, random thoughts around, and they made no sense. I was trying to think of the word. What it? it starts with an S. Uh, it's not a salute. Non sequitur. Yes, that. A lot of the comics are like that, where they're just completely random. They're saying one thing, and then some of it's just... But yeah, that's what happens when you just create these, I guess, artificial deadlines. That's kind of what this podcast is. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I wrote the comic like that. Creative endeavors. I feel like that's important when you're working on something and there's no real uh, reward. So you don't have an audience that you're pleasing. You don't have a paycheck. You don't have any thing that anything tangible that you're getting for it, except for the enjoyment of doing the thing itself. But there were days where I didn't want to do directionless and I still did it. I don't know where that drive comes from. Cause really, if I really didn't want to do it, then those deadlines wouldn't matter though. The deadlines in my head are being like, well, I have to upload Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Yeah, why do people make things? I don't know. Uh, directionless, it got a fair amount of readers, but I feel like in terms of getting popular on the internet, especially with web, web comics, I think you have to make a certain type of subject. I don't know. It's really hard to predict success because it's always like you're going to look at what was successful before you so then you're going to be like well let's copy that but then you end up doing the same thing and the way that people usually get successful is by doing their own thing and they just happen to tap into something greater usually some subject or humor or character that then people either relate to or just they want to share i'm not sure or it's just the powers that be the people I mean, I guess before it was newspapers just decided what to show, and you can maybe make an argument that there are tons of great comic strips out there or great media, but nobody sees it because there's only the companies that distribute everything. Don't don't put it out there. I don't know. Anyways, Directionless never got a big audience, but I never I wasn't writing it necessarily to get a big audience. Those birds are loud. <laughs> not a non sequitur here we go i wonder what birds are saying <laughs> i know i know birds usually i'll get back to directionless i know birds that usually they there's usually certain times of the day where birds are really loud and i think they're basically saying to each other i'm here i'm here and there are mating calls where they're like bang me bang me you over there and yeah, doing the singing where they're trying to impress the ladies. Like, check out these notes that I'm hitting, ladies. And the ladies usually are not interested. Ever notice that in those nature documentaries, the lady, the female birds are always, like, the first. They have the male birds singing a song or trying to impress the females. And the first thing they show is always a female rejecting the male. It's always, the first male that they show is just always the worst. So... For all you people out there, for all you boys trying to impress girls, don't be the first in the nature documentary. <laughs> all right, that's a nice little tangent. Directionless. Oh, no. Now I don't remember what I was saying. All right. 
yeah, popularity. I don't know. I didn't really write directionless with the intent of it getting popular. I just wrote it as something because that's what I've always done. Basically, since I was a kid, since 1996, and I was eight years old at the time, I was writing comics. Some of them were big adventures, and others were what the precursors to directionless, where it was just following a character that I really liked. Also, in directionless, it's not really about me. It's about a character that I would relate to. There's a little difference, yeah, maybe. But anyways, I, I, when I was in school, I always wanted everyone else to be writing comics or stories about characters the way that I was, because then I was like, I would want to just read what they would write. And it's always the people that are say, I don't want to do that, or I can't do that. Those are the people that I really wanted to read comics about. Like, if I found out I was in school and I found out my math teacher wrote a comic strip, I would read that. If I found out my boss wrote a comic, I would read that. My friends, I would read that because then I would see myself as a character, maybe. Oh, man. Oh, man. And in Directionless, I would write people that I knew in the comic, but I also it was about half and half where half the side characters were real people and then half of them were just made up based on archetypes for Jeff to interact with. And, yeah. So, lesson for everyone out there. Write comics or stories. Just, just put it out there. Just express yourself. Just express yourself, everybody, and have fun. Cause I want to read it. I mean, if you, if you guys write comics or stories or cartoons, send it to me. I, I love looking at all that stuff. I've had fans before send me videos, being like, I'm always shocked when I've gotten this message that I inspired them to make cartoons, and I'm like, me, really? But I've like I've always liked looking at what people make, and nobody's ever sent me anything bad. Now I'm gonna get some internet troll to send me some terrible video. It's gonna force me to be like, oh, don't quit your day job as being an elementary school student. <laughs> Anyways, uh, working on directionless it was a since I worked on it for five years. It was a it's kind of strange for me to read it now because I always get sent back to when I wrote it. But many of you who will read the favorites collection, you'll just see it as a straight shoot. You'll just read it all at once and be like, okay. But when I read the older comics, I'm like, wow, 2010 when I wrote that? And I don't like the writing very much. And then the newer ones, you can actually see, even though I did update the artwork in the series, in the, the book, the drawing style of Jeff changes over time, and I think that there's a trope for that on TV trope where characters change as the artists draw them more in animation. It's not Flandersization. I don't think Directionless ever reached that point. But, yeah, it's just interesting to see that shift over time. And maybe if you read the book, can you notice it? Can you guess which year each comic came from? It is sequential in the book. One thing that was about the Directionless series was that it was kind of a graveyard for my cartoon ideas. So I, would, I always have tons of cartoon ideas, but many of them don't actually get produced for a variety of reasons. And while I was writing Directionless, I would make those ideas that eventually I was like, I'm not going to animate this. I would turn them into comic strips. So one of the earliest ones that I remember is I had this idea for a comic where I'd have someone drinking a soda and then we'd see the sugar inside their body just destroy their internal organs and just eat them from the inside out. And I wanted to make it a funny little short, just it's like, because it just made me think everyone's like, soda's unhealthy. And I'm like, how unhealthy? 
this unhealthy. And we just see chaos. Never could get a storyboard that I felt was funny. So I turned it into a little comic strip where Jeff was just like, I like the danger. Because somebody was telling him, somebody was telling him that soda's unhealthy. And he was like, well, I like to live dangerously. I also want, I've done, I've written, wrote a few comics about bar scenes and any weather related joke I tried to write comics about it yeah I felt directionless had a mix of what I thought as meta humor where it was they were in a comic so that became a part of the world is that Jeff was writing the comic but also knew he was in a comic it was weird and then there's also just the character based humor which is drama just following Jeff and characters and like normal media or normal stories. Yeah. Nate's stories, this, what you're listening to right now in those cartoons, is kind of an extension of the meta humor, which is also the joke that I think most of the audience didn't like or the type of humor the audience did not like. So let's make a full series based on it. <laughs> I mean, after I finished Directionless, I took a few months off from writing comics, and then I started a new one called Routin' the Raccoon, where it was all character-based, and I didn't really like how it was turning out. I'll put a link down below so that I'll have a link to the book, links to where you can read the entire Directionless collection, and a link to uh, Routin'. And I wanted to write Routin' for one year, and I wrote out majority of the comics and illustrated majority of them. And I was releasing it, but it wasn't really getting a good reception. And I didn't really like how it was turning out. So I eventually just stopped releasing it. So I think if people do want me to continue it, I would. But for now, it just remains dead. Yeah. Creating stuff online is weird. Because you just can put it out there and nothing happens. And then that could fuel you, fuel your energy. Or make you just be like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And it's strange how the neat stories is, I think of it as an extension that's still of directionless. Or I'm just not, well, there's a comic to go along with this, this podcast. But, yeah. When I started directionless back in 2010, what I did was I actually wrote out a bunch of plots and characters on index cards. And then after a few months, I just put those index cards away, and I was like, I'm going to go in a different direction. But then in 2014, I picked up those index cards again, or I found them, and I was like, I'm going to follow these. And so I went through and did each of those original plot lines, and that also, in my opinion, is what became the best comics. And I don't think the most majority of those plots didn't make it into the book because the book is more favorites. It, it doesn't have the extended... Because in Directions, I had some plots that lasted weeks, and so I didn't include them in the book. Maybe someday, if people want it, I can release a full book with every single Directionless comic and even include comic versions of the animations. And if I were to do that, if people really wanted it, I would then create uh, an epilogue section that would only be for the book where we'd see what Jeff is up to now. So it would be a bunch of new comics starring Jeff. Yeah, get, get a little bit of new directionless, Phil. Yeah, so that, that's something that you could look forward to. Here we go. Yep, 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 yep. I've talked about directionless for a while. I hope you guys are, I hope this is mildly interesting. 
Anyways, let's uh, jump into just a quick little little non-sequitur. Sequitur? I think it's sequitur. Gotcha. I winked, if you're curious. <laughs> so something that I saw on the subway this week, I saw a kid that was way too old to be wearing a diaper wearing a diaper. He was like five or six, and he was really chubby, and he was dancing, just having fun. And the parents were right there. He wasn't like a performer or anything. But yeah, I just thought that was odd. He was happy, though. I'd be happy if I was wearing a diaper. No, I wouldn't. I feel like that'd be so uncomfortable. Because a diaper, you just get one use, and then it's, you know, it's just... Mm. This is a... Uh... Didn't think I'd be thinking about this today. <laughs> Here's a story for you. I was thinking of making this into an animation, but it's not quite good enough to make into an animation. There's this one time, all right, I was in the New York City subways, you have to go downstairs, all right? And there's this one subway, it's called the L train, where I was going down the stair, and it was kind of a small staircase, and I was going down it, and people going down are supposed to be on the right, and people going up are supposed to be on the right. So they're both on their respective rights, so you don't cross, you don't hit each other. So I was going down, I had this big suitcase, like a, a traveling suitcase, it was a blue thing that I carry everywhere whenever I go places, and I was coming back to New York City, going back to the apartment in Brooklyn. And I was carrying it down the stairs, and the L train had just stopped, and people were getting off, and so people were coming up the stairs. The majority of the people were good Samaritans, good citizens. They were going up their respective right side. But one girl was coming up on her left side, going straight towards me as I was coming down with my big suitcase. And I was like, oh, no. So... The people were on the right. They were going their proper direction. And I, there was such little space that I couldn't just step over and move out of the way of the girl to then just go down kind of the middle because there was too many people coming up. So she looked at me. She could have easily taken a step to her right to let me go, but she looked at me and didn't. She just gave a blank stare of just kind of in her own angry land looked at me so we walked we were on a colliding course as i was going down with my big suitcase she was coming up with her nothing and we met face to face she stopped and just stared at me i was like hmm and i was carrying this bag the subway was right there they were like last call the, the buzzers were beeping or whatever the noises and the doors were starting to close and i was like oh if she just moved out of the way i could have made it she didn't move so then the remainder of the people came up on my left, so then I was the one that moved out of the way to let the girl go up and try to make it down the stairs, and just as I got to the bottom of the stairs, the subway train door closed and I was about to leave. The girl then... I remember I looked back at her, and she was still standing there for a second after I left and then walked up. It was, she was mad at me. Well, at least that's what I felt, was that I was getting in her way. Subway doors closed, and... I put my head down in shame, looked up, saw the conductor. He had seen what happened, and he was, like, nodding at me, smiling. He opened the subway doors just for me, and I got onto the L train. And I was like, oh, I just have witnessed the good and the bad in people. Yeah. So what I would do if I were to animate that is I would edit down the story and probably redo a bunch of the lines. But for the sake of the podcast, that's, like, what a first draft sounds like. So, Yeah. I hope you like Dan's thing last week where his stories, because I do plan on bringing some more people, and if those stories that other people tell are good enough or engaging enough, we will 
collaborate and I'll animate their stories either on this channel or probably here on maybe another. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I did like his uh, acting scam story, though. Anyways, let's get on to questions. Got two this week. They're questions from Et Wanen. All right, first one. How long do you think you'll continue to make podcasts? Usually what I do is I make a year goal with any sort of artistic project. So directionless, I actually, when I started it, I was like, I'm going to write this for four years. And that's what I basically did. Be a, a, I know it's five years from 2010 to 2015, but because I took that eight months or 10 months off, I wanted to cover that. So this podcast, my goal is to do it for at least a year and then see where it is. I imagine I'm going to get better at it over time, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think how the pod the this will, the podcast will change over time. I'm probably going to bring on more guests because I don't know how good I am at rambling. I don't know how engaging it is. But anyways, uh, yeah. So at least a year, probably more, probably, probably. So then their next question, his, her, next question. And what is your top 1,000 animation movie, or maybe just your top five? Uh, are there even 1,000 animated movies? Probably. My top five in no particular order. Spirited Away, The Emperor's New Groove, Ratatouille, Princess Mononoke, and Grave of the Fireflies. And then special mentions, the Cowboy Bebop movie, Aladdin and the Lion King. Something interesting, I hated Disney as a kid. I did not like animated Disney movies. I felt the plots were all predictable. There are moments and characters that I really liked, but I was like, there's no depth to these things. As a six-year-old, I remember thinking that. And so one of the reasons that I started to write my own stories, and in particular animated stories, was because I was like, this, you could do anything with drawings, and they're deciding to make the most bland plots. I also did not understand love back then. <laughs> Can human beings love? It was supposed to be a robot. I didn't understand, like, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Why did Belle like the Beast? Well, I didn't. There was, like, a day that they knew each other. Or The Little Mermaid. Why did they like each other? Just all these movies, they just confused me. But I was old enough with Emperor's New Groove. I just, I just really liked that one. And then I kind of went backwards. And then once I started to learn about animation, it was just... When you learn about the amount of work and the amount of pieces that go into making these movies, it's just awe-inspiring, man. Yeah. One of the reasons I like the Cowboy Bebop movie is that it it's nostalgia, really. I don't know how good the movie actually is. It's just it takes me back to when I first saw it was getting into anime. Yeah, I was a teenager. Most anime is for teenage boys. They've just mastered the language of the teenage boy over there in Japan. Uh, yeah, I can, I can go into detail about each of those movies in a different podcast. Just make a movie based podcast. One, oh man, I'm about to talk about this. I don't really like the trend in turn on YouTube and other internet streaming sites where people just talk about their feelings about movies. Cause I'm always just, like, they make these really great videos about movie reviews or opinions on movies or editorials. I think they call them video essays. And I watch them. I like them. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you're so talented at making things. Why don't you make your own movie? 
it kind of goes back to my idea of a directionless. Like, I would rather people make their own comics than people write reviews for my comic. Does that make sense? I, I these these creators. Are, I guess it's just really easy to watch a movie, and it's really hard to make a movie. But I, but they're effectively making new pieces of art in their reviews. Ah, I don't know. Media is weird. The internet's weird. Uh, I did go on the IMDb list to check to see if there is a thousand animated movies, and Inside Out is currently number one. And I had weird feelings about that movie. It took me a while to get around to see it because in 2010, I made a short film called Brandon, which is the same plot to Inside Out. It was like emotions in the head and all that. Eventually, I did watch Inside Out. It was different enough where I was like, oh, okay. They Pixarified it. I did have some problems with it. Like, were the emotions in control of the girl or was the girl in charge of her emotions? Don't we react to things in the real world? So really, the emotions or the girl are not the ones in charge. It should be her reacting to her outside world. The, the forces that... For instance, I don't know if you have seen the Inside Out, but one of the early plot points, I, ho- I don't think I'm going to spoil it, is the girl moves to a new city. And so she's really depressed about it. So it showed the emotions being depressed, and then they showed scenes of her doing things, and the emotions were going on this adventure where like things were happening in her head, and one emotion left the, the central nervous system. And so then the girl was feeling all weird, like she was missing happiness. So this entire adventure was, ha- adventure was happening in her head. But then I was like, what if she didn't move? Then would this adventure still have happened, and she still would have felt depressed? Because it just seemed like what the emotions were doing had nothing to do with the outside world. It was all internal. All these internal structures were happening unrelated to everything else that was happening in her life. It was a kid's movie. Have fun, man. I could do some critiques of movies or criticisms or just get really mad. I get re- when I watch movies, I'm one of the people that ends up yelling at the screen. If I'm not in a theater, I don't do it in the movie theater. But I'll just be like, what? What was that? Why did they care? What? This doesn't make any sense. And then usually people laugh next to me because I, I, I just get really emotionally invested. Yeah, I literally five minutes ago, I was talking about how I hate the people that just make videos about critiquing other media when they could make better media. And now I'm about to ask you guys and girls and other if you would want me to talk about movies either angrily what I don't like, or even, I guess, games or books or comics or TV shows. But, yeah, just stuff, just me to... I usually have really pedantic critiques, and they're ridiculous. <sighs> but I'll be more well thought out because I would prepare a little bit of my ideas. But, yeah, but, oh, there's no perfect movie out there. There's no perfect piece of media. See, so, yeah, let, let me know. Maybe I'll do that as a test and see how it turns out. I think next week... I think we're going to wrap up this podcast in a minute. I think next week I'm going to try to have another guest. Probably not Dan, though I do want to bring him back because he's full of great stories. And yeah, I'll try to have another guest. We'll have a little bit of rambling and dambling. And yeah, I think this is the podcast for this week. I hope you have a fantastic week, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. I can't do accents. Why do I keep trying? This was supposed to be an Irish, 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 supposed to be an Irish accent.
I don't tell me that. I can't. I... Why? Why do accents exist? Well, when I try to talk like this, is this an accent? No, that's just stupid. <laughs> well, I can do southern. Is this? Is this? I'm gonna go play some of that football around here in America. Do I have the northeastern accent? Is my voice just regular? Life must be more fun if you have an accent. Because then people are always like, mm. what if, <laughs> what if people with an accent, what if I am the, I do have an, everybody has an, is there like a, just a natural English accent? My understanding, I don't know how true this is, this is one of those internet facts, is that the American accent, so I guess it's the southern, you know, that southern drawl, is closer to what, uh, the English accent originally was back in the 1700s. And the English people now in England and Britain, Great Britain, Great England, Wimbledon. That's... <laughs> My understanding is that the Southern American accent is the actual English accent from the 1700s and is unchanged. I don't know how they know that. Internet facts. I don't... <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to end the podcast here. It's been great having you listen to me just ramble on and on and on and on. Go buy the Directionless book if you want. Uh, Cartoons, I'm working on a few. Uh, Next one I'm going to aim to release in August. August. All right. All right, have a great day. Goodbye. Also, I'm playing Martin later. Root for me.